We've been in the middle of a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. I have 30 minutes to deliver this message and I plan to do, uh, do a great job in keeping on time. So I'm gonna need your help in encouraging me. Because when you encourage me, you help me move along faster. And I noticed that second service, you, you, you were a little bit subdued and, and, and I need your help. I need your help to say, yes, Pat, come on. That's, that's a good clue right there. Come on, pastor, you can do this. Get, get going. Cause I really could preach this message with a little encouragement. I could preach this message. There's a difference between preaching and teaching. Teaching is a lot more technical and, and has a lot more, um, just a quiet nature. Whereas a preaching will be a lot more emphatic, jubilant, and, uh, and has a lot more energy. And so I'm, I really believe God wants me to preach this and I need your help with, with the energy. Now we've said that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot live a godly life. Isn't that true? We cannot live a godly life. We cannot serve him adequately or understand the word of God without the Holy Spirit. We added one more to that. We said we cannot even know God without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit does what? Think about this with us. He leads us into salvation. He convicts us of sin, reminds us that we are sinners, and then and then he... He, through his power, has our heart turned to God in repentance. Turn away from our sin and turn to God in repentance. So this is all an act of the Holy Spirit. Now, we said that in Galatians, not only do we start salvation with the Holy Spirit, but that's the way we should live. We should live walking with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says... But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Meaning your body, you in your soul, you have what? A desire to please God. But then there's also this innate desire to do what you want and to please yourself. But if you walk with the spirit, you'll overcome that desire and you'll walk towards the light. You'll walk towards God. You'll walk in victory. So he says this, but then I love what Jesus said. Now, Jesus put it this way. He said, and all of this is truth. I'm just giving you truth from God's word about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when the helper comes, now he used the word helper for a very specific reason because he wanted to paint in our minds the picture that the Holy Spirit is not going before us, dragging us along or whipping us from, from, from in front saying, come on, or whipping us from behind and kicking us forward. He stands as a friend. A counselor. The word literally means counselor or comforter. Now think about it. Many people today spend hundreds of dollars getting counseling. Can I tell you, you can save your money because you have the best counselor money can, that money cannot buy. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Meaning he's there to counsel you. He's there to inform you. He's there to comfort you. He's there to lead you. And so... Jesus specifically says he will testify about me. Listen to what else Jesus said in chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin. 
There it is again. He's the one that helps us see that we're sinners, that we need a savior. Come on, how many times do, have we gone along and didn't even know we were wrong? You know, I can remember being, you know, in, in, uh, in, in class there in the business school at Baylor University and I was doing finance and, and I was doing a problem completely wrong. Had no clue. Failed the test miserably until the grader, the TA, had to indicate you were way off the mark. Like you're in chapter 8 and we're supposed to be doing chapter 12. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit shows us, hey, this is not the way you're supposed to live. This is out of bounds. This is wrong. And he testifies to our spirit that we are out of bounds, that we need salvation. Why? Because think about it. He convicts the world of sin. He convicts you that there will be a judgment and that you have the ability to turn from that judgment, to turn from God's wrath and experience his righteousness and experience Christ's righteousness. And so that's the primary function I want to talk about here today. And I want to remind you now in order to, to go from death to life, in order to be completely uh, changed, there must be what's called forgiveness. God has to forgive us. And you know what? God is a forgiving God. You know, this definition that I used uh, in first service makes a lot of sense. And it's from Baker's uh, Christian Encyclopedia. It's a ceasing, ceasing to feel resentment for wrongs and offenses. That's what forgiveness is. It's I no longer have resentment and I no longer what? I no longer see your wrongs or count your offenses against you. It's a pardon involving, involving the restoration of a broken relationship. I find it interesting that, that this definition says openly, and, and I love this, I love this because this is a Christian definition, that forgiveness is an act of God. And that without God, we cannot experience forgiveness. Do you realize that forgiveness is something we don't deserve? A pardon is something you don't deserve. It's something that God comes in and initiates because of his grace. And so grace is not something we can earn. It's not you can, you can say, but if I work real hard, I'll get it. No, it's because of God's love. You say, well, then how do you receive it? There's one way to receive it. And that's through repentance. An act of faith. Faith that leads to repentance. And so the next word is just as important. Repent. Repent. Well, how do you define repentance? It's very simple. It's found in the root word or the Greek word in the New Testament. When John says repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Peter calls out the salvation message, repent and be baptized. And let Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ save you, right? When that word is used... It's, it's this Greek word, metanoia. Meta, which means a changing, a changing of a place or condition or direction. So literally, life can be thought of this way. You have 
God's way and you have the enemy's way. You have the way that leads to righteousness. That's the right living. Why is it called the right living? Because God created everything and he gets to decide what's wrong and what's right. Or what's wrong and what's right. And so he says, when you live this way, meaning in honor of me, in submission to me, and being led by my spirit, then you're heading in the right direction. When you live the other way, you're heading in the wrong direction. And this is why the Bible says there is a wide and broad road that leads where? To destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Now watch. Jesus says, narrow is the gate and narrow is the way. Why? Because the gate is the point where you go into salvation. Think about it. Narrow is the gate. Who is the gate? Jesus. And then once you're at, once you're through the gate, do you just camp out? No, you're on a journey heavenward. So he says, narrow is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Few will find it. But broad is the way that leads to, to destruction. This is why the proverb says, there is a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. Meaning, there is a way where we think everything is good. Because this world has us in a matrix. Oh, I'm going to fall back. Isn't it? We're in a matrix. It made to make us feel like everything's cool. But it's not cool. This is why Jesus came and said things like this. In 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 19. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. The enemy. This is why in that same book, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, do not love the world. Don't love this system this evil one has set up. Because this system, the world, and all of his lusts are passing away and they're going to destruction. But if you love the Father and you do the will of the Father, then you will have eternal life. For the lust of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, that's, that's no good. Do you see how this is constantly being shown? But how do you know, how do you get awakened to the fact that you're in a matrix? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to open our eyes, begins to prick our heart. Do you realize why it's so important? Because that's the only way you can have a change of mind to realize you need a change of mind. And you change from your ways and you say, through faith, Lord, forgive me. I am a sinner and I need to follow after you. And in that moment, in that moment, there's salvation. And it's a very technical moment. The moment by the power of the Holy Spirit, you put your trust in Christ. How do you receive the gift of life? You receive it by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and your confession of faith in Christ. Saying, I am a sinner. I need a savior. Amen. I need a savior. In that moment, you walk into the gate. But then life continues and you have to remain on the path. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Does that mean you can fall off the path? Yes, but he'll bring you back. Amen. He'll bring you back. He'll bring you back. 
I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. Not because I want to believe it, but because God's word says it. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are held under the promise of God and God never breaks his promise, ever. But what if I break my promise? Oh, you will. But glory be to God, he doesn't. This is why over and over in God's word, it says, God is not a man, he does not lie. He keeps his promise and if he said it, his hand performs it, it is done. It's done, it's done, it's done. Okay, so salvation is the repentance of faith, right? The faith that leads to repentance and unlocks forgiveness for us. This is all by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what, what, what John the Baptist meant when he said in, in Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15, repent and believe in the gospel. That last line, repent and believe in the gospel. This is what Peter said when he said, repent and let every one of you be what? Come on, be what? Now, you're thinking, Pastor, when are you going to get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being anointed with the Holy Spirit? You got to get the foundation first. Amen. We got to get the foundation first. Next week, we'll talk about walking in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, and then we'll hit the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled in the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and all these other things that people ask for. But right now, I want you to see, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And so I want to, I want to let you know that our first point is repentance. How important is repentance? And it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize this is where New Age thought is attacking Christianity the strongest? I need you to listen to me. Especially if you're under the age of 40. You're more susceptible to new age thought than those over the age of 40. New age thought is about the the universal consciousness, the far eastern religions, feeling good within yourself. And they take terms from Christianity and they misuse them to mislead people. And I need you to understand one more thing. That last week we dealt with this. The Holy Spirit is not just some consciousness. It's not just some generic spirit. It's not something that's impersonal. He's a person. He's a person with a will and a mind. And you can know him. Why? Because the Bible says you can. And he knows you. And he will lead you into repentance. This is something New Age thought will deny. You don't need to repent. Why? Because there is no personal God. It's just... You're just on a path to enlightenment. You're trying to go from better to better to better to better. Okay? Well, guess what? That will send you straight to hell. Because there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. There is one name given among men by which we might be saved. Under heaven, among men by which we might be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the way, the truth, and the life. Not your truth, not my truth, the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through my gate. That's salvation through saving faith in Christ. 
That's it. And so New Age Thought would love to have you think you don't have to ask for forgiveness. There's no atonement for sin. Jesus didn't have to die. All you have to do is be a good person. So I need you to understand how important repentance is and that happens by the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to say something that's pretty controversial and might shock some of you, but then I'm going to explain it. And the reason I say it that way is because this is an area that really bothered me for a long time and why I kind of stayed away from the Holy Spirit. There is a sin that you cannot have forgiveness from. There is a sin you cannot have forgiveness from. And it's found in Mark chapter three. Then a multitude came up to him. Like usual, the the Pharisees and the scribes were with him. Verse 22, they came down from Jerusalem and said, he has Beelzebub. Beelzebub is, is the enemy. And by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. So Jesus was performing miracles and casting demons out. And making, making people whole. And as he performed these miracles, those that were his antagonists began to accuse him of having Satan in him. Mm. Now I need you to understand, by what power was he performing these miracles? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So what are they calling the Holy Spirit? They're calling him something you should never call him. Now watch. He has Beelzebub by the ruler of demons. He cast these out. So he called them to himself and said these parables to them. So just Jesus says, hey, you guys need to come close because this is serious what you're doing now. We're not playing around anymore. And this is what he says. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? Verse 24, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So he's just given him plain old practical logic. Like, hey, this is just the way things go. Now he's going to hit him with some really deep truth. Stay with me on this. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's household and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Anyone concerned yet? Come on, can can I just be, when I read that, I was like shaking. I was a kid when I read, am I the only honest person in the room? Or like people are like, nah, who cares? I, I don't care. Is that that y'all's attitude? Because when I read that, I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, if you have the oh my goodness attitude, you're you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot. Because typically, I mean, we're going to see that that the answer lies in, in verse 28. 
See, because those go together. Now, is Jesus saying, listen, assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter. So all, does it really mean all except for one? How does forgiveness come? No, remember, we, we, we define forgiveness and then we defined another word, metanoia. What word is metanoia? Repentance. Okay, so watch. The father had a plan that we might be saved. You say, but if the father's will and plan was that we might be saved, then everyone's going to be saved. Don't fall into that erroneous theological trap because the father's plan is that we might be saved, but his plan was also that he, his plan is that he predestined us free. Meaning we have free will. We're not computer programs where we just do what he has programmed us to do. We are to enter into relationship. He predestined us to be free, meaning when he created us, he created us with a will, and we have the opportunity to respond to his love or to reject his love. And so this is what the father's plan was, that all would be saved, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him, but his will is for everyone to be saved. But he also has a will for us to be free and to receive salvation. So the father's plan was accomplished in the son, Jesus, and is presented and and drawn out to us in the Holy Spirit. Father's plan accomplished in Jesus. Jesus said it is finished. And now the Holy Spirit, what? Awakens us to our condition that we might respond in saving faith, which is the faith of repentance. So so let's look at this verse very closely here. All sins will be forgiven except one sin. Or is he saying all sins will be forgiven if you repent, but there's one sin that keeps you from repenting. And that's when you ignore the one who leads you in repentance. Oh, do you see that? There is a precondition for forgiveness. And that precondition is what? Repentance. The only way you can repent is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you deny the Holy Spirit, say, no, I want nothing to do with you. At what point does he back off and say, let thy will be done? So if you're here and you're thinking, have I committed? There's a no, because you wouldn't be thinking that. And if you're thinking, have I committed? Am I too far gone? Then let me share with you the gospel that says, today is the day of salvation. Today receive forgiveness. Today repent of your sins. Today turn from your ways. Acknowledge Christ and he will fill your life and change you forevermore. It will happen in a moment. In a moment. In a moment. And so... Repentance, receive forgiveness. Receive forgiveness is point number three, number two. And this is a beautiful thing. 
when you receive forgiveness, your heart is completely filled. Oh, I can remember feeling that forgiveness. And I accepted the Lord. I was, I was nine years old. Remember I told you and I gave you that, that story about me skipping school and, and then skipping recess and playing in the, and, and, and CPS came and the police came. They thought they had lost a couple kids. No, it was just me taking them through the man tunnel, you know, the, the, the drainage tunnel over into the, into the creek and we were swimming, having all this good time. Then I stabbed a kid in the arm and I mean, it was, it was horrible. I was, a, I was a horrible kid. Some of you would have, would have like, I, I think y'all, y'all would have just passed out if I was your, if I was your son. He had to give me to a pastor who knew how to handle a kid like me. And my, my brothers, we were, we were all the same. Holy, what, I can remember skipping out of church and going out to the freeway. For what reason? I don't know. But here's this big trucker coming down. And I have this rock. And I look him square in the eye. And I throw it right at his windshield. But I can remember my dad said, we got to get the, we got to get the Holy Spirit in this kid. There's got to be a change in his life. So he started teaching me God's word. And I can remember, I'll never forget. I was in children's church and the son of our Royal ambassador director, Robert Estrada was the director for the state. His son, Bobby Estrada was was preaching the message and he talked about the Holy Spirit touching his life and how he realized he was a sinner and he asked Jesus into his life and Jesus forgave him and everything became new. And I just started to weep. And I remember he said, stand up. And I stood up and I'm just holding the chair in front of me and I'm just like, what do I do next? And I didn't, I felt so uncomfortable and I was shaking. I was like, what, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And then he says, come to the front. And I'm like, I'm not going to the front. And yet, there I went. And then he said, fall on your knees and ask God. And I fell on my knees and we're asking God, bunch of little kids, we're asking God. Something changed that day. Something changed that day. Because from that day forward, I couldn't do one thing without the Holy Spirit saying, you know you're doing wrong. You know I have better for you. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Because if you hear that, then that's evidence that you're saved. Does that mean I always went in the right direction? No, sometimes I went off into the woods. And I did things I shouldn't do, but I always could hear the Holy Spirit saying, I've called you to better. You are my son. This is not acceptable. You need to come back. And I can remember being so far out and so far gone in some of my years when I was running from the Lord that I, I didn't even know how to get back to the path but I just screamed out. I remember screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I know that if I die right now, I am not honoring you. Jesus, son of You go, what in the world is Jesus, son of David? That was blind Bartimaeus that came over me like I've never felt. Blind Bartimaeus that just started screaming out. He didn't know where Jesus was. They tried to tell him to shut up and he just kept screaming and screaming until the master came over and healed him, restored his sight in an instant. And I can remember going, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus goes, here you are, my son. Get back on the path. 
If that's you and you have the Holy Spirit, cry out and the Lord will hear you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, cry out and receive him today for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the gospel message. I have in here the woman anoints Jesus' feet. You know, he's, he's at a dinner party with a religious leader and the woman comes in and anoints Jesus' feet. And that Pharisee judged her. Judged her. And Jesus said, Simon, that was the Pharisee's name. I have something to ask you. Suppose there is a man who has two debtors. One owes him a few denarii, which is me 30 bucks. A denarii is $8, roundabout. But the other owes him 500 denarii. So it's, you know, a few thousand dollars. He forgives their debts. Which one will love him more? And Simon says, I suppose the one that was forgiven a lot. He says, you've judged correctly. You see this woman, she was forgiven much. She loves much. She has washed my feet with her tears, dried them with her hair. She's anointed me with oil. When I came into your house, you didn't even offer me common courtesy. You're supposed to wash my feet just as a refreshment. You're supposed to greet me with a kiss. You're supposed to anoint my head with oil. This is like common courtesies. Can I take your coat? Would you like a glass of water? Can I get you something to drink? Can you... Here, have a seat. Be comfortable in my home. You offered me not even the common courtesies, yet this woman gave from her heart. Why? Because she knows what the Holy Spirit has done in her life. She knows. One more. Repent. Receive forgiveness. And once you receive it, give it freely. See, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, freely you have received, now freely give. Once you walk through the gate, you have to walk in the forgiveness you received. And I was listening to Pastor Mark Driscoll. He's, a, he's an awesome preacher, man of God. And we were at a preacher's conference, pastor's conference, and he was speaking to pastors and he said, you know, it's a hard thing being a pastor. I know how much you've hurt. I know how much you've been hurt. I know that you've been talked about. I know that you've been mischaracterized. I know that you've been lied about. I know that you've been you know, mistreated. I know that they say they love you and then they turn their back on you. I know that they can be brutal and mean and vindictive. And he's just going on and on and on. And I'm going, man, pastor, you're supposed to build this up. But now you're drinking. He's like drawing out all kinds of junk. He's stirring it up, you know. He's just stirring it up. And I'm like, let it settle. That's I've worked hard to let that stuff go down. Right, Keith? It's like, what are you doing stirring all this stuff up? 
And then he says, you know, he just keeps going with all this stuff. I know pastors this and I know this and I'm sorry for this and I'm sorry for that. And he goes, and you're the, and you know what? You face battle every single day because what you do is a spiritual fight. And that's why if anyone ever fills the pulpit, they'll realize how tiring and draining it is because the devil gives you not one moment of rest. If you really want to bless your sheep, if you really want to bless the people of God, he will attack you with everything he has. And you're the only people on God's green earth that have to bring your family to the front line of battle. The only warriors, every other warrior gets to leave their family at home, but you're the only ones that have to bring your children and bring your spouses and bring your family. And guess what? They're never off limits. The enemy goes after them too. I'm going, oh, great. Now he stirred it all up. But then he said this, but I want to challenge you to live in the forgiveness you received. Because the only way you can walk in victory and be the person God has called you to be is to walk in forgiveness by the Holy Spirit. So my message is very simple today. Repent and receive forgiveness of salvation. And once you're saved, don't you dare let the enemy take from you the most precious thing and that is the power of forgiveness. So that you can walk in power. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in love. Yes, it's hard. Mark Driscoll put it right. It's hard. And stir it all up and then give it to God and say, Lord, I forgive for freely. I have received forgiveness. Now freely I give it away. Because the oldest trick in the book from the enemy is to have you be forgiven and then imprison you through unforgiveness. He can't take your salvation, but he can imprison you. How so? So in Matthew chapter 18, give forgiveness. Matthew 18, I'm almost done. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how often, how often if my brother sins against me, do I have to forgive him? Up to seven times. I love Peter because he's just like us, isn't he? Come on, anyone in here can openly admit, I'm a knucklehead. I know I am. And that's why when Peter says knucklehead stuff, I, I get him. I get him because that's me. You know, I love Peter because he's trying to show off here. And, and I kind of am that way too. We all try to show off, right? We always want to be significant. Isn't that the plight of humanity to try to be significant? He's trying to be significant. And he's saying, I've learned that the kingdom is about forgiveness and the kingdom is about humility. And in his question, he shows his pride. How so? Well, think about this with me. He says, how often do I have to forgive those guys? Instead of saying, how often should we forgive each other? He's one of them, isn't he? So this is cool because it reminds us that guess what? We're human and we need to be forgiven too. So his question should not be how often do I have to forgive that guy or him? How often does he have to forgive me? How often do we have to forgive each other? Okay, so that's first point. Second point is not only that, it shows shows his mentality because the, the Old Testament says you should forgive somebody three times. Three times. Peter doubles that and then goes one extra. He goes seven times, right? 
And Jesus goes, no, 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 Peter, you still don't understand. First of all, you're one of them. Secondly, you should forgive 70 times seven. He's a fisherman. He's like, carry the, you know, oh, 490 times? 490 times. I know what some of you are thinking. I could probably sin against somebody 490 times in a year or two. I could probably do that. I'm pretty good at like sinning, right? It kind of reminds me of uh, of a story I heard once where little Johnny's parents were really upset with him and they bring him to see the preacher. And the preacher says, little Johnny, how could you do what you did? And little Johnny just hangs his head, but then he kind of gets a little burst of energy and he looks him square in the eyes and says, preacher, I've been praying for a bike for a year. And I was almost about to give up until I heard your amazing message on forgiveness. And I heard how awesome God's forgiving power was. And I decided why not steal the bike and ask for forgiveness. (laughs) And so some of us, (laughs) you know, think of it that way. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, God's awesome forgiving power is to show you how to forgive. And so it's not a matter of forgiving just 490 times in a year. It's 490 times in a day. Because in the other passage, Peter says, how many times do I forgive my brother if in a day he comes to me? And so Jesus is saying, I want you to forgive without limit, without bounds. And then he tells him this parable, and this is where we finish, okay? The parable is very, very clear. He says, there is a king who has debtors and he calls them to account, He starts with his biggest debtors and one owes him 10,000 talents. How much is a talent? It's 67 pounds. So let's assume that 67 pounds per talent of gold. How much gold in one pound? How how much would that be? It'd be about 1.2 million plus. So if you figured that out, it would be 12 to $16 billion this man owed him. It's a lot of money. Come on. How many of us know that when Jesus talks about salvation and debt, we all owe far more than that? Because there's not a one thing we could do to be saved without the grace of Jesus. So he says, this man is brought before the king and the king says, pay me your debt. I can't do it. I'm going to throw you in prison. He falls on his knees and asks for forgiveness. Amen? Asks for forgiveness and the king forgives him. Then he goes and finds a man that owes him a couple of denarii. Less than a hundred bucks. Grabs him by the neck and starts to choke him and says, give me my money. I don't have your money. Please have mercy on me. Same thing he did to the king. He says, I won't have mercy on you throw you into prison. See the, see what Jesus is saying? I have forgiven you and given you salvation, but then you go and don't forgive your brother? The parable goes on, says, word gets back to the king. The king calls for the man that he forgave, the $16 billion, and says, why did you do that? I'm going to reinstate your debt, and I'm going to throw you in prison to be tortured. 
Now, some of us are going, wow, pastor, you really are showing me a different side of Jesus. Unforgivable sins, torture, throwing, you know, taking his word back and doing all these things. Now, listen, I need you to understand Jesus here is not talking about salvation. Salvation is irrevocable. He's not saying I'm going to take your salvation back. This is what he's teaching. He's saying, once you've received this amazing gift, if you allow yourself to go and not give it the way you've received it, freely you have received, not freely give, all you're going to do is you're going to experience imprisonment and torture in your life here because that's what unforgiveness does. That's what unforgiveness does. Let me put it to you this way. The person in the, in the parable was a what? A debtor. Then he was a creditor. Then he was a prisoner. And then it finally hit me. Oh my gosh. Now I see why Mark Driscoll was led by the Holy Spirit to tell pastors, forgive. Let it go. Because that's the opposite of what Jesus came to give me. Freedom. So if you're here today, the power of the Holy Spirit is to help you forgive. To help you receive forgiveness through repentance. To help you live in forgiveness as you give it freely. You might be asking, Pastor, how do I forgive? I don't know how. The same way you received it by the power of the Holy Spirit, you say, Holy Spirit, help me forgive. But I refuse to live as a prisoner. As they canned out communion, As I hand out communion, I want to share a story with you that in 1994, there were a hundred days of brutal killing in Rwanda. Savari Namini killed as an aggressor with a machete in his hand, many people, but one, some of the people he killed was Rosaria's family, her husband and her children. After only four, I mean, excuse me, after only 10 short years in prison, he came to her, fell on his knees and asked for forgiveness. And the story says that she looked him in the eyes and said, how can I not forgive you when I have been forgiven so much by my Lord and Savior? I forgive you. When I read that, I was struck to the core. And I thought, wow, Lord, that's who I want to be. Because that's what I received at Calvary. If this message has touched your heart, before you leave today, respond to the Holy Spirit. My invitation is very simple. Have you ever received the forgiveness of your sins and walked through that gate of salvation, which is Jesus Christ, and stand saved? If not, today is the day of salvation. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. 
Maybe you say, pastor, I've already walked through. I've already repented. I've already received forgiveness. But I have to be honest. I feel like the enemy is trying to imprison me by now having unforgiveness towards others. Today, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to set me free and give me forgiveness in my heart. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. If you're raising your hand, if you've raised your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? First, the prayer of salvation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Lord Jesus, I declare you are the Son of God, that you died on a cross, and you rose again, conquering death. Holy Spirit, seal me and lead me through eternity. I receive forgiveness of my sins through faith in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray a prayer for those needing needing help with forgiveness. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Help us conquer unforgiveness. We ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit to help us deal with any bitterness, anger, resentment, hurt. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us cast it off. Help us plunge it in the deepest sea and separate it from us like the east is from the west. So that we're not even able to remember it, Lord. God, in the name of Jesus, by your Spirit... We want to walk in forgiveness. Amen. Thank you for what you did at Calvary. We know forgiveness is the sweetest thing we know. I love you, church. Have a great week. If you prayed those prayers, congratulations. Tries to take its claim over my heart I have tried to hold it